0: from Southern California. This is the Jim Rome Show.
1: Is there any bigger buzzkill in sports than a backup QB starting a playoff game? Watching backup QBs in the postseason makes me want to Ashley Simpson. Here's a noteworthy development that Ashley Simpson has made a comeback on this show or has, and I like it. I think it's positive. You see, everything comes around. Everything will come back. Anyway, no offense to Skylar Thompson or Tyler Huntley, but nobody wants to see Skylar Thompson or Tyler Huntley this weekend. The difference in the two situations, though, is nobody is suggesting that Tua is holding out on the Dolphins, while there are a lot of people suggesting just that about Lamar Jackson. Notice how I phrased that. A lot of people suggesting that. A lot of people seem convinced that Lamar would be suiting up if he had a new contract. And of course, a lot of people think that because he does not have a new contract. Even if he absolutely should have a contract by now, that deal never got done. Which I will get to in a second in terms of who is to blame. Everybody. But of course, that lack of a contract has directly led to doubts and skepticism about what's going on with Lamar, because when he first went down, it was, according to John Harbaugh, remember, quote, not a season-ending type of knee, end of quote. And then he went on to say it would be, quote, days to weeks, end of quote, before we saw Lamar back on the field. Well, that was nearly six weeks ago and still no sign of Lamar which is why we now have a health versus contract debate, which has been raging now all week long. So much so that Lamar had to try to come out and clear the air himself on Twitter when he said yesterday that he is officially out for Sunday's game. Lamar tweeted, and I quote, Thank you, everyone, for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process. I have suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain. On the borderline of a strain three, there is still inflammation surrounding my knee and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery. He goes on, I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful that we still have a chance. End of quote. All right, so you want to talk about a kick in the stick.
2: Ravens fan,
1: nothing in there is good news at all. In fact, it's all below not good news. Not only will Baltimore be missing Lamar against the Bengals, but if what he's describing here is so, it's pretty concerning. He should not have swelling six weeks out from an injury like this. He should not have instability of the knee at this stage either. And that's not me talking. Don't take it from me. Take it from a doctor. Take it from the at pro football doc. He did a great job of breaking down this very topic for us on big head bets yesterday, the pod.
0: Let's take a look at some other PCL examples. Last year, Zach Wilson, not quite the same quarterback as Lamar. He does run, not like Lamar. He had a PCL injury, missed four weeks admittedly the first two weeks he returned he did not run a lot Dallas Goddard with a PCL this year missed a game came back aggravated it missed another game came back played the rest of the season Ezekiel Elliott all last season played through the PCL it made him less explosive I am not one bit saying Lamar is faking an injury I'm not one bit saying he's not really injured but I have to think that either the contract has something to do with it we are saying he's not a hundred percent But the fact that he seems to be not headed to try at less than 100% might be contractually related. Either that or there was a report that he's still extremely swollen, which is not normal for a mid-grade PCL. And portends the question there is, is he hurt worse and is there surgery in his future? So either way, this is not good news for Lamar and Baltimore Ravens.
1: I would add to that, below not good. But you, Doc, nice job. I'm telling you, this is why you want to listen to Big Head Bets. Even if you don't bet, the information is fantastic. So is the entertainment. So is hearing Big Head step on rakes and stumble over and murder the English language. Alvy was even chirping the head on yesterday's episode. So make sure you check that out after the program. Thought the doc made some pretty critical points. This recovery should not be taking this long. In theory, it should be possible for Lamar to at least attempt to go, even if he's not 100%, especially that guy. You know that guy wants to be out there, especially that guy. So this is driving the narrative for so many of you that it's not about his knee. It's about his contract. Now, I'm not saying what it is because I have no idea. And I'm not here to sit on the fence. I'm just here to be responsible. I'm not here to be an irresponsible guy who's puking up a bunch of hot takes. I'm never going to be that guy. I don't know what's going on. I'm not Lamar. Nor am I a doctor. Nor do I know how the negotiation went between the team and the player. So I've got no idea why he can't practice. Why he can't try. Why he's not trying to play. I don't know. However... I understand why a lot of you are trying to connect those dots, why a lot of you think that maybe that is the case, that guys do make business decisions all the time. Know this, so do teams, so do teams. So I don't really know what it is, I just know why a lot of you think that that's what that is, and I'm not going to talk you out that point. You know why? Because we're in this situation, and why are we in this situation? Because of both sides. Because neither side, if they really were negotiating in good faith, should have ever let it get to this point. If both sides really wanted each other, and that deal, as much as they would lead you to believe they do, how the hell does that deal not get done? How does it not get done before the season? I mean, for the Ravens, you've got this dynamic superstar talent, arguably unlike anybody in the NFL, the youngest MVP in league history, you've got to lock that down. Long before you're in a standoff that could in any way impact a playoff run like this. Long before you're in a situation where the franchise quarterback's contract is a massive distraction and a weight on the franchise. Long before you get to a place where people are speculating that this guy won't play because he's trying to protect himself for the contract. And by the way, leaking details of your offer is never a good idea. Allegedly. As for Lamar, he's not without blame. Lamar bet on himself. That's not going so well. Hey, look, I'm all for betting on yourself, for sure. But Lamar really bet on himself. He bet on himself to both successfully navigate the deal himself, negotiated himself, and to navigate the season on the field without incident, and unfortunately, neither one of those things have worked out very well. And by the way, it is possible for a player to negotiate directly with the team, directly with that team. I, personally, I wouldn't recommend it. I understand why guys want to save money, but how much are you really saving given the nature of that money? Now, if you want to turn that on its head and say that a normal agent's fee is what? two and a half, three 3% and the 3% or whatever the number is of a contract like that is a hell of a lot of money. Sure. But if you have the right agent, you're getting value, Right. They're the ones who have to manage the relationships. They're the ones who have to go in and bang on the table for you so you can focus on football. Personally, I wouldn't recommend it. I've never negotiated one of my own deals because I have attorneys and agents that do it for a living. But it's possible. Like GM Eric DaCosta got a deal done with a player directly this week. Roquan Smith. You want to see something funny? Try to listen or listen to the big head try to enunciate and pronounce Roquan. That did not go well for him. Winthrop. On big head bets. Jim Rome's big head bets, by the way. Anyway, it it can be done. Smith got his deal done. So what I'm saying is there is blame to go all around here. Even the Browns, even the Browns are to blame for this because of that clownish, moronic, irresponsible, guaranteed contract that they threw at Deshaun Watson. Of course, Lamar looked at that and wanted that deal or more. Lamar had been an MVP. Lamar is not a serial creep creep who's not apologetic or remorseful. So Lamar had a pretty compelling argument But he just stuck to his guns. So, of course, the Ravens don't want to throw Lamar a contract like that because while not a serial creep, he is an injury-prone running QB. I'm not saying he's missed a lot of games because he hasn't, but he gets dinged. And that kind of guaranteed money. That contract, by the way, come to find out, was not a precedent. It's an outlier. It's irresponsible. It's an insane outlier that the rest of the league hates the Browns for. So essentially what I'm saying here is this. We're all screwed. Everybody is screwed. Everybody is screwed and everybody shares in the blame except Ravens fan, a.k.a. the ones who are getting jammed the hardest. But really, we all lose because now we have to watch not one But two backup quarterbacks in playoff games this weekend. And there's also no end in sight to this Ravens and Lamar contract saga. You know, you get right down to it. You know what it makes me want to do. You know, it just makes me want to scream. Welcome back, Ashley. I don't really know how she made a comeback on this show. After all this time, I'm just glad it happened. It's organic. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free activate in the Discover app, see terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Mitchell Schwartz is my guest. In fact, via Zoom, Mitch, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you as always. It's good to see you too. Let me ask you this. like, I understand this is pretty self-evident, pretty basic, but can you articulate how much more intense playoff football is than the regular season? Like, I get it. It's winner go home. But how much faster and how much more aggressive is it? Can you take us inside the helmet and describe the
2: difference? Yeah, it ramps up, that's for sure. And part of it is you're just, you're playing better teams. So the teams you're playing are probably faster. They're probably a little more skilled. They're probably better at what they do. You know, I always thought until we won the Super Bowl, man, the playoffs are, you know, not the greatest from my perspective. I have a lot more pressure on me. I'm going up against better players and uh, things are a lot more difficult. So it definitely ramps up. Like you said, I mean, you know, there's that urgency. If we lose, we're going home and it's that simple. So you got the urgency, you're playing against better teams, against better players, against better coach teams as well. So they're not going to make mistakes. They're not going to, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. And so it's a, uh, every week it gets a little bit better, a little bit better. And so this first week's just a bit of a taste of it. And then it really ramps up throughout the rest of the postseason.
1: And that's why I ask. well said Mitchell Schwartz joining us. So Patrick Mahomes, it seems to me is going to rip the MVP award in my opinion. Can you make an argument, Mitch, that he's actually a better player? player and a better leader without Tyreek Hill than he was with him because frankly he's had to become that
2: yeah it's an interesting discussion when you think of it in those terms because you look at all the efficiency you look at all the normal stats the advanced stats he's number one in every single category and you know this offense keeps turning away and yeah maybe they don't have you know quite the 50 plus yard completions for touchdowns that they used to but number one in first downs number one in you know percentage of drives that don't go three and out and you know number one in all these things just the ball keeps moving down the field and you still have the chunk plays. You still have the shot plays. You're still throwing to Kelsey downfield. You're throwing to MVS downfield. You're throwing to Juju over the middle. So the offense looks really similar. You know, I thought it was a little funny that people were saying, you know, this offense was all of a sudden going to go back to an old, you know, Dink and Duck and your style offense. It's like, no, it's still a bunch of weapons, still a bunch of speed. But yeah, Pat's ability to, kind of go through all five guys and and find who's open, navigate the field. Um, It's as good as it's ever been. And he's only going to get better. I mean, when we think about the older quarterbacks in the NFL, what you think about is how quick they can make decisions, how much they've seen. There's no defense that they haven't seen before. You know, Pat's still, what, 27? You know, you talk about a guy like Brady, you talk about the Rodgerses and the Mannings, the Breeze, they get up into the late 30s. You know, he still has another decade of experience to go. So that's only going to get better as he ages. Former tackle,
1: not all pro center Mitchell Schwartz, me correct that joining us right now. So Mitch, I mean, you make such an interesting point. In fact, a number of them from the perspective an offense as an offensive lineman, like when you were playing in front of Mahomes, when he's rolling out and he's extending plays, unlike anybody else can, and he's having those sensational moments. How different and how challenging was it for you to continue blocking throughout that sequence and off script?
2: It's a misconception that people think it's more difficult to block for a scrambling quarterback or a guy who breaks the pocket. You know, I think it it greatly helps me because my defensive end has to worry about losing contain. He has to worry about Mahomes getting outside of the pocket. And so if he's rushing and he's a little tentative and he's thinking, "Oh, my coaching points, I can't get deeper than 8 yards. I can't turn the corner on this guy." You know, that gives me a tactical advantage. I remember we were playing Denver and Pack got out of the pocket, he rolled to his right, which was towards the Denver bench, and the coach was not very happy with the guy I was blocking. He started screaming at him, uh, cussing him out a little bit and just like, "You can't lose contain. You can't lose contain." Well, if that's in the back of his head every single time he's rushing, don't you think that slows him down just a little bit? So I, I think that it's a huge benefit, and not to mention just the the pure basic uh, concept of him making the guy that maybe I lose to miss and getting out of the pocket and extending a play, and now they got all these other things to think about. So I love blocking for a guy like that. You know, It makes my job a little bit easier. You do have to get a little bit smart about knowing you know, if you're latched on to your defensive end and he starts moving in the opposite direction from you, you just have to let go. You know, we see a lot, we see a lot of holding calls where linemen kind of hold on that one extra tick and try to snatch him towards you. At that point, you just got to be smart. He's leaving. Give him a shove. You know, push him on his way and just let him go. But other than that, I love it. I think it's awesome. I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper beef jerky
1: like the best thing ever? Well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic clear view packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and old trapper jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors old fashion which is classic beef jerky flavor tender smoky and delicious you've got teriyaki with the yellow label where old trapper turned the flavor dial to 11 hot and spicy with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice peppered tender seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper And you can grab and go with a four-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way, you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Mitchell Schwartz is joining us. All right, Mitch, so the Chiefs might be the top seed, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of separation right now between them and the Bills and the Bengals. How do you see the balance of power at the top of the
2: AFC right now? Well, if you look at it in terms of the head to head matchups, you know, the Chiefs lost to those two teams. And so you're thinking, All right, Bills have the upper hand. Cincinnati definitely has the upper hand, three wins in the last calendar year against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have the bye. And I think that's that's huge this year to have the bye, you know, get a week to rest, and then most importantly, not have to play Cincy and Buffalo, should it play out that way. You know, they're gonna play someone in the Jacksonville Chargers realm and then you know potentially if they win they only have to play Cincy or Buffalo and I think not having those two games back to back is is the biggest determining factor you know getting that week off to recover we all know the Andrew Reid stats with by weeks and so you feel pretty good about that game and then you know only having one huge matchup so I think these teams are, are really evenly spaced uh, Buffalo is tough to lose Von Miller it was tough to lose Micah Hyde and Hyde looks like he might be coming back for the stretch right here to help him out. And so you look at which team, you know, is most affected by injuries, which team is healthiest. And it seems like the Chiefs are at the top of, you know, that list right now. Mitchell
1: Schwartz is joining us. Mitch, I'll tell you who's not coming back, not this week, Lamar Jackson. And you know, it's always a sketchy area to get into. Like we all have a tremendous threshold for other people's pain, right? But I'd love your opinion. Lamar says the knee, quote, remains unstable. The injury is more serious than originally believed. Do you accept that, or do you think that he's making a business decision in not playing?
2: No, I don't think he's making a business decision. You know, I, I think it seems like Baltimore has every intention of you know giving him a long-term contract. They just aren't going off a fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson contract. They're saying that that's the outlier, and that we're going to negotiate more along the lines of Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. You know, there's some other guys going to get extended this offseason. They'll they'll treat it more as a, a typical contract. I think Lamar. You know, if he still has the swelling, I mean, who am I to say, but if you have a swelling a month later, that means your knee's not right. You know, that means that every day you're going out there, you're doing rehab to get the swelling down, to get the inflammation down, to strengthen the areas. Um, Then you start, you know, integrating back some work and some movement and it keeps puffing up on you. You know, like you said, something isn't structurally right. There's some instability there. There's something that's causing uh, that fluid buildup. So it seems like um, it's not quite, you know, working for him. And I, I just don't think that this would be the time to pull the business card. Uh, You know, it would be pretty savage if he did, but I don't see that. It seems like every time he's available to go play football, uh, he plays football. And so I can't imagine him wanting to miss any playoffs.
1: Mitchell Schwartz is joining us. Mike Williams, come to find out Mitch is not going to go. That report dropped in the last hour or so. What do you make of Brandon Staley playing him and the other regulars in a meaningless game in the way of seeding? And then Brandon saying this week, quote, the reps
2: aren't what matters. The rest is. That quote blew my mind. I... Uh, just it blew my mind you know going into the game so I understand the thought process that when you have to make the inactive list for that you know 425 eastern game Cincinnati has not beaten Baltimore so the five seed could flip theoretically Um, you know Baltimore could have come back they could have beat Cincy and then the Chargers have to win the game so I understand uh, being a little neurotic and wanting to have all your guys active in case you have to win that game what I don't understand is when the game kicks off you're locked into the five seed So just sit your eight best players and play with a 40-man roster. Um, He's a guy that rests everybody in in the preseason. So this is something that, to me, feels a little hypocritical, that he's willing to sit every single guy he can in the preseason to have him ready for game one of the regular season schedule, but he's not willing to sit his guys in week 18 to be ready for week one of the playoffs. So I thought that was really interesting. And then as the game progressed, Mike Williams gets hurt. Guys are out there. Bosa comes limping off. Goes to halftime, and Herbert comes back out, and Keenan Allen comes back out, and Derwin and Bosa, and all these guys keep playing. And it just, it's, it's really surprising, and I don't understand it. And then, yeah, to have the quote that the, the rest is what matters, not the reps coming off a week where the guy gets injured because he wasn't resting, um, it's just not what I would say. It's not the the way I would have gone about it. Mitchell Schwartz
1: breaking it all down. Mitch, really quickly, what do you make of the Raiders and how they handled the Derek Carr situation because he finally came out and said something? I mean, and, and, and do you see a situation where a team might be able to get more out of him than the Raiders did last year?
2: Well, absolutely. I think he's a better quarterback than what happened last year. I mean, we forget five or six years ago, he was a front runner for the MVP until he got injured. You know, he's shown that. When he has a really good offensive line and he feels good back there, he can carve things up. He still throws a beautiful pass. He can drive the ball down the field. You know, I think the biggest knock on him from a playing style perspective is he doesn't like to get hit. And now most quarterbacks don't like to get hit, but he particularly doesn't. And uh, like I said, if he's got that good offensive line in front of him, I think he can be uh, a really good quarterback and a really good player. And you know, I, I kind of feel bad for him even as a, a former chief and a guy who still roots for the chiefs. I know you're not supposed to feel bad for Raiders, but you know, it seems like a guy who really put his heart and his all into, you know, a decade's worth of playing for that team over two different cities and to get benched in the last two weeks and basically to get humili- humiliated in that fashion and you know, kind of have to put out a statement saying that you're you know, sorry the way it turned out and you're looking forward to your next opportunity. Um, I do feel bad for him and I hope he can go to a place and, and feel a little bit better.
1: My dude, extreme empathy from a chief towards a Raider. I like that, I respect that. <laughs> He is a Super Bowl champ, a four-time All-Pro, a member of the 2010s All-Decade team, the co-author of a great book with his brother, and the host of Mitch in the Kitch. You can find that on YouTube. Mitch, great to have you on. Really appreciate you. Thanks so much. Great job, as always.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Jay Woods
1: of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS. And the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with, so it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, OmegaTaxCredits.com. Nobody looks forward to flying anymore, I don't think. I know Odell Beckham Jr. is with me on this. Now remember, OBJ's incident back in November when he got tossed off a flight for being unresponsive and refusing to wear a seatbelt, right? Remember that story. You probably formed an opinion, but you didn't know exactly what it was because nothing is ever what it could be or what it seems until we see video. Everything changes if there's video. Some stories are not nearly as bad or frankly as good or as real as they could be if we don't have video documentation. Well, now we do. Now we know more. And what we know is this, it was a weird story and not weird good, just weird weird. Well, now that the body cam footage of the incident was released by law enforcement this week, now we have a better idea. I'm not going to say it cleared everything up, but it made a weird story even more weird. And somehow, someway, everybody looks terrible except for law enforcement. But nobody looks worse than Odell. And I didn't go into it hoping he would look bad, thinking he would look bad. I had an open mind. Because we've all had bad experiences in travel. You know, maybe it's not his fault. Why is it always his fault? So I had an open mind. I actually was kind of hoping that he came out looking good. Ah. Now, the airline attendants... I just caught myself. I was going to say air waitress, but I don't want to be saying that right before I get on a plane. The flight attendants, I was going to go air waitress and air waiter, but I don't disrespect the position like that. 2001 Jim Rome would have. The flight attendants who ran this dude off the jet, at least the ones on the tape, could not have been on any more of a power trip than they were. And that's not the first time we've seen that. I've seen some flight attendants that are just absolutely amazing. Amazing at their job, amazing people, amazing demeanor, just so pleasant. Like, you don't even want to get off the plane, they're so nice. And then I've seen others that are just power tripping hard. And they make the flight miserable. We've seen both. So, some of these flight attendants and power trips go together like Jim Rome and the downgrade list, Apparently. Because somehow I keep ending up on that damn thing. Anyway, back to OBJ and some background on this incident. When the flight was ready to take off, Odell was passed out in his first class sleeper seat without his seatbelt on. And when the flight attendants tried to wake him up, he was unresponsive. So the flight attendants called in law enforcement to, quote, make sure he was okay. That's where the first clip starts. With law enforcement confirming that Odell was in fact fine. But it's also at just about this point when all hell breaks loose and it all starts to come off the rails.
0: Great, right, sorry. Okay. He looks good to me. Huh? Okay. Oops. Here. Where's his pants?
1: Oh, sorry. Where's the baby's pants? What do you mean? He's only got underwear? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're on. Are they on now? Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. They weren't on before? No.
0: Go back, go back,
2: Frank. Go back? We're good.
0: Yeah, we're good. Do you know how many times you've shaken him to put a seatbelt on and he's very small? mean you don't want him to fly, that's
2: a decision that you guys are going to have to make. That's, you know you tell the captain and then we'll, we'll get him out, but that's something that you guys got to make. Multiple times multiple people. Hey sir, sir, put your seatbelt on. This is a five-hour flight. Yeah, this is five hours. The then that's up to you guys. Yeah. That's okay. up
0: to you guys. But okay. okay. medically, if he doesn't want us to check him out, I can't make the And I don't really say anything wrong. He might be tired. Or have taken a long trip and doesn't want to follow orders?
1: That's
0: a whole other app. He told her he just came from the club. Yeah. Okay, okay, I get that. He's and tired he's, and he's, he's taking stuff. And he's not to us to uh, a seat he a just seat? responded to know where he's at. And yeah, he knows and where he he's get. at, exactly where he's flying. Yeah. And he had pants on when he came on. Yeah, he doesn't have pants on now. His pants are on now. His pants
1: are on. All right, so a couple of thoughts there. The law enforcement authorities are kind of backing him up. They're saying he appears fine. He wants to fly. So the flight attendant, when they say, we just called in the law enforcement because we want to make sure he's okay. It sounds like she's got a bit of an agenda and a bit of an attitude. She says, quote, where's the baby's pants? She's not saying he's not responsive. We're worried. We're not sure if he's all right. We think there's a medical concern. No, no. She's like, Where's the baby's pants? And the law enforcement guy says his pants are on. Like the flight attendant really did say, quote, where's the baby's pants? The baby. You mean that first class customer? That baby? Where's the baby's pants? Who does that? Well, that flight attendant did that. And then the other flight attendant jumped in to pile on with, quote, he told her he just came from a club and has taken stuff. End of quote. Uh, all right, NARC bra. Yo, NARC brah, chill the hell out. How is any of this relevant? What, you're not allowed to fly now after clubbing? Is that a new rule that I missed? No more meals served on flights no more clubbing before getting on a flight. Is that the deal? Who the hell cares where he came from or even what he took? I'm going to too serious. Again, credit to the officers for staying rational. They didn't really understand the problem. They didn't really see a problem. And I agree with them. And they kept saying, if you want us to remove him, say so. And we will. But it all looks pretty normal. He just looks tired. All right, so the dude was unresponsive. But now he is responsive. And now his pants are on. Quote, the baby's pants are on. Where's the baby's pants? Can we just freaking move on? You know, at this point, I'm actually with the guy. I'm actually with the guy. It's like, what? What? You imagine being on, well, look, imagine me, I'm on my flight today. Imagine this was my flight, though, to Dallas. What would we all want to happen at this point? Everybody moves on like adults and professionals and then gets to the destination and gets the hell off the plane. Or the exact opposite can happen because that's exactly what did happen. The flight attendants decide that they cannot let this allegedly pantsless, sleepy man who came directly from the club fly And OBJ decides that he doesn't want to get off the plane. So because of that, everybody gets off the plane. And this is the part of the story where it flips, where OBJ starts to look really horrible. Like, honestly, all he had to do in the beginning was put his freaking seatbelt on. Not a big ask. None of this happens if he just puts the damn seatbelt on. You put the seatbelt on, then the flight attendants don't get the chance to trip out on some power that they have to have. Just apologize, buckle your damn belt, then get off the freaking airplane. But what you can't do is what Odell did next. And that is refuse to put on the belt, refuse to get off the airplane and then taunt the hell out of the other passengers whose day has now been ruined because you couldn't wake up and then insert the belt. The other passengers were extremely off put because they were extremely inconvenienced by Odell's selfish, immature nonsense.
0: Looking to get off the now for you. I would never, ever in my life get off the plane for you. Specifically you. Maybe everybody else. I would get off the plane. It don't mean nothing to me. Ain't no way you could look at me. Ever. 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 you going to wait 40 minutes and I'm going to be on a private plane home. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Get your ass off the plane for a second. Yeah, I bet. Enjoy the cheese board
1: on the way home. It's an incredible exchange. That's, in case you missed it, that's incredible. That's Odell locking in on one guy because that guy looked at him the wrong way. Of course he looked at him the wrong way. He's got to get off the airplane and his day is wrecked because you couldn't wear a seatbelt. So Odell is saying to him, I'll get off this plane for everybody except your ass. What are you looking at? Quote, you're going to wait 40 minutes and I'm going to be on a private plane home. Enjoy the cheese board on the way home with your ugly ass.
0: Enjoy the cheese board on the way home.
1: Dude, that's like the audio version of one of the worst optics ever, right? A sonic, I guess. Find me a worse Sonic. Again, everybody here looks bad. But once again, nobody looks worse than Odell. Like the last one off the plane, he made everybody get off the plane because he wouldn't fasten his seatbelt. And then he stood there and he mocked and taunted everybody as they got off the plane because of him. Innocent people who were incredibly inconvenienced by Odell who somehow found a way to look even less mature than the least mature flight attendants. I mean, there was more ego on this plane than actual jet fuel. There was enough ego on this plane to power that plane. So when the video dropped, and notice, I don't think that Odell's dad's splicer was there to clean up that video, because Odell took to Twitter and he was pissed. And he wanted to explain what went down and why he took offense to why it went down the way it went down on video. And then he doubled down on the entire thing. Right? Not, I was having a bad day. I was out late. I was tired. I regret it. Not. He went in and doubled down. Quote, this way he tweeted yesterday in response to the video or the audio you just heard. Quote, I know who I am, period. All the rest and opinions really don't matter to me. Have a blessed day and enjoy the board. Incredible. I I almost have to laugh at that last part. Enjoy Enjoy the the board. board. Like Enjoy the cheese board, losers. Enjoy the cheese board on the way home. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. You don't know me. You don't know what's inside of me. Have a blessed day. And enjoy the freaking cheese board when I get on my G5. He also followed, he wasn't done. He followed that up with, quote, my favorite, least favorite thing. That's a great line right there. My favorite, least favorite thing about this world, besides people who don't know what they're talking about, is we can cut up any video however we want to make it look exactly how we want, good or bad. Funny world we live in. No cap. Dude, did you just say that? Didn't your dad splice or do that very thing to Baker Mayfield? Splice up a video to make a guy look a certain way? You didn't really just say that, did you? No cap. Incredible. listen, never mind that being like the most hypocritical thing ever. But him bringing back the cheese board in the first tweet was pretty hilarious. And especially when he used it after saying, have a blessed day. I got to admit, that was kind of funny. But you can't blame a doctored up video for the verbal assault of the people you just inconvenienced, my dude, when it wasn't doctored up at all. Who, who did the splicing in that? This is not your pops or your pop splicer putting that game film together to make Baker look terrible. You literally just accused the cops or the world of doing what you yourself have already done. Anyway, you're responsible here. You're the one that made everybody get off the plane. And for who? For what? Were you singled out unfairly? Were you harassed unnecessarily? Dude, all you had to do was put on your seatbelt. So I got to admit, in terms of travel, between all the delays and me ending up on the downgrade list all the time, classless losers, passing gas because there's no accountability, because nobody can pin it on them, bags that take their shoes off, that's another beef I have. I've mentioned this before, but it, it, this is one that stayed with me. On one of my New York trips, and and I hate to single out airlines, but it was Delta. And I single it out because there was this one flight attendant, and she was power tripping hard, hard. Because since I did the same leg all the time, I got the same crew all the time, and I had to deal with her all the time. Obnoxious. Just Obnoxious super power hungry, holding court, never done talking, telling people what to do. I mean, she was obnoxious. And at the end of one of these trips, there was a total bag, a couple of rows in front of me, both bare feet up on the chair in front of him. And I'm like, man, this dude is too much. So I took a picture of it and I sent it to Dodger Jano because I'm like, look at this guy. What an a-hole. And I put my phone in my briefcase, and I get off the plane, and I start walking because those New York turns were brutal, right? Get the hell off the airplane, get on the car, get in the car, get home, and get ready for the Monday show. She ran me down. This obnoxious hag of a flight attendant ran me down. She ran me down into the tunnel, and she got in front of me, like in my grill. What did you take a picture of? What did you take a picture of? I'm like, I'm sorry? What did you take a picture of? What? What? I'm like, are you kidding? What did you take a picture of, sir? Ma'am, I took a picture of that a-hole two rows in front of me with his bare feet on the seat. That's what I took a picture of. Do you want to confiscate my phone, too? Oh, and stomped off. You know, and then... I've had experiences with flight attendants that are like the most pleasant people I've ever met in my life. So you know how this all goes, right? Between that flight attendant, between people going with gas that we can't pin to them so they're not accountable, people putting up their bare feet. Listen, if your feet swell and you want to take your shoes off, I guess, but we don't need to see your bare feet up on the seat. And then entitled, immature, extremely wealthy, famous people who won't put their seatbelt on and then mock and heckle other people as they get off the plane. I mean, wow. I'm just doing this because it's newsworthy. However, I am getting on a plane today. Odell, my guy, I backed you. I did have your back. I had your back. I think you made progress, dude. I think you really put in the work, and you were maturing. That's that's a bad day and a bad look and a bad act, and I can't defend that. My man, you're not going to Dallas today, are you? Where's the baby's I mean, I know you're not going to Dallas to meet with the Cowboys, but you're not going to Dallas today. We're not on that same flight, are we? Because I, I got to get there. I got to get there. Where do you come out? You've seen the video. What do you think? Who's to blame here? Now me, I'm going to end up finishing the show. And if you clones don't get right, y'all can fly coach with your board and have a blessed day. Me, I'm going to get on a private plane. Sign Jim Rum to B-Web and the clones. Yeah, I would never do that. I don't have a private jet. I'll take the board. Board's fine. The one thing that I can't handle, though, was being first on the downgrade list. I still do not understand that. That was just the weirdest story ever. I mean, did you even know there is a downgrade list? I know there's an upgrade list because when you're at the gate, it's posted. In order, these five people, if there is a change, so-and-so there, B. Johnson is first on the upgrade list. They should have had a screen with a downgrade list that said J. Rome on it because then I at least I would have been prepared or I could have gone to the desk and said hey yo what is that what is the downgrade list because I didn't know that existed this message is sponsored by discover Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app, see terms, and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. (laughs) I'm here. Welcome to the jungle. A tremendous Monday to you. I imagine a number of you are having a very good Monday, and some of you are not, unfortunately. Nice to have you here. Breaking news. Right when I sat down, there it is. Right when I sat right down. To point a phrase, if you're getting ready for work right now, then you are probably not. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, this is storybook! An opening kickoff return! Did that really just happen? Josh Allen would later call it bone-chilling. Tamar Hamlin tweeted, O-M-F-G. I mean, right... Oh, my goodness! Can you do it twice? What well, my man? You couldn't do three for DeMar? Can you imagine? I mean, the world would have spun right off its axis. Andre Reed, This is a historic day. Of course, I'm wearing my three. It's the players, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, that whole staff, and the medical personnel that saved this young man's life. A story of the ages. Have you ever been to Buffalo? Well, Romy, I have been to Buffalo. And you know what I did when I got there? I locked the doors, and I followed the snowplows out of town. You know you can't pile on Detroit, so what? You turn on Buffalo? Hello? Come on, man. Come on. Touchdown,
0: Jordan. The Colts had a I would
1: ask how that's even possible. Except if I've learned anything at all, it's that anything awful is possible. Jeff Saturday's course. Will Brinson joining us. I, I love this. We see this graphic right now. Can teams stop saying thank you, coach, when they fire somebody after one year? First of all, Will, I'm not sure that anybody has ever referenced a graphic in the middle of an interview. You
0: better believe it, Fan Specs. I'm not here to praise Derek Carr's nine year Raider career. I'm here to bury it. Bennett Curtain call here. Here
1: we go. Capsule. Career. The last night, actual Bennett. frogs Bennett. may have been more competitive. Bennett. At least the frogs Bennett. can handle the rain.
0: Bow, wow, wow, you be old. Yay, bow wow, yippee yo, yippee yay. The entire Georgia team took 11 of those, you know, fireman mallets, and they just busted TCU players in the face right, until right. they knocked them the flock out. Like
1: Rondé Nitro with an ad shot. I hit that damn door. Bam! Nitro all over my oh. damn shirt and pants. The thing that I said would never happen. And why I don't keep an extra shirt at work.
0: And
1: when it rains, the clones go immediately to Milly Vanilla when Luca has a good game, the clones immediately go to this. My
3: name
1: is Luca. Suzanne Vega. (laughs) Whenever Luca goes off, Somebody's on a floor somewhere, and somebody's not asking anymore. Isaiah McKenzie joining us. Oh, it's amazing. You know what
0: I'm saying? We can't wait till he comes here. We can hug him. Not rough him up too much. You know, that's all we care about here.
1: And come to find out, In-N-Out is coming to Tennessee. Tennessee, it's a damn good day for you. It's nostalgia. Yeah, it, is. it took nostalgia. me back to Fontana and to San Bernardino. Yes! KJ Wright breaking it down. That's a heck of an introduction there, Jim. What's the argument you can make for Seattle in this game? Why would it be different?
0: Oh, our game plan was... And both those two games gonna be a bar fight. Telling Albie to go to the back row and place two finger underneath Ritz nose and have him smell and we'd all get
1: a kick out of it. Mm. But not today, Jim. Hey A hole. I don't know who you are, but I know where you are. Universo 184 education 48 I'm not giving you the password I'm not unlocking it give me back my s- iPad Pro this is the beef segment
0: idiot co-workers who want to interject into every conversation whether it pertains to them or not my beef yoga pants
1: wearing woman at Whole Foods who looks like she's trying to smuggle two hams and a yo-yo
0: people who drive 30 under the limit and my beef is mall walkers people wear pajama pants everywhere they go I'd be a lot better if I could pack a regulation lunch and a sandwich into a sandwich bag. Hey Ziploc, do better. A serious beef with Del Vita cheese. Parents that show up late to JB Girl basketball game and start riding the officials right away.
1: KJ Osborne, my guest. If you want to bring the pressure, we're good with that. For sure,
0: you're def- definitely accurate. We've had success against it before. We'll be uh, prepared
1: for it. Drizzle.
0: Roman Rome, what's happening, partner? Yo, Roman Rome, I want to start the new year out right. I'd like to do the right thing, Roman Rome. Take my golden ticket. I
1: knew this. Second, that guy started that it was John in New York. Since trading for Quan uh, Smith, yeah, I knew I'd miss that one. You're the dope, accusing me of half-assing. In reality, my guy, I don't know what you'll be doing, but I will be doing business. Fergie, ah! Yoko, ah! Carl Lewis, ah! and Roseanne Barr. Ah! Dude, I could have done a quick goog. Stop playing with on us. On SRQ.
0: Get to suck on that all week. A lot of shots fired. Yeah, I'm going to make that
1: dude's life hell. Aggression. Oh, my God. Enjoy the cheese board on the way home. I don't do social life. You don't want to go back to the salon. They flattened you up in the first place. It's all dog around his mug. Scream. Oh! Good night now. We are joined by Kirby Joseph. Kirby, it's great to have you on. How are you?
3: I'm doing good. How y'all doing, man? Thanks for having me on here.
1: Dude, it's great to have you on, and I mean this. I literally cannot stop talking about the Lions. I know you personally would rather be preparing for a playoff game this week, but was there any additional satisfaction into going into Lambeau and knocking the Packers out if you yourselves could not go?
3: Uh, yeah, man. You know, uh, like I said, man, if we wasn't going, they were not going either. After <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Kirby, you know, it's it's really something in the sense that because Seattle beat the Rams before Sunday night or on Sunday night, you knew going into that game that, like, we're not going. We're officially eliminated. It seems to me a lot of teams in that situation might be thinking, for who? For what? You know, like, one, two, three, Cancun. Let's go get ourselves some tee times. Not you guys. You guys were out there flying around defensively like it was the postseason. So what's that say about your team's DNA and the way y'all are built?
3: Yeah, I feel like that game shows a lot about how we built and our identity. You so I me mean, like we came out there to be tough and physical and win some football games, and I felt like we would definitely put that on tape. Um, going into that game, um, I know a lot of dudes really didn't have that on their mind. Uh, we wasn't really worried about the the Rams and the Seahawks and We were worried about Green Bay versus Lions. And that's what we just had our uh, mindset on. So we went out to that game and we just
1: dominated. Kirby Joseph, joining us. You got Aaron Rodgers again on Sunday. That's three times this year. I mean, I'm telling you, there's a lot of good DBs, a lot of good DBs to go their entire career and not get that guy three times. You did it in your first year. How much pride do you take in that accomplishment?
3: Uh, I mean, yeah, it definitely means a lot to me. You know, uh, growing up, I used to watch Aaron Rodgers all the time. You feel me? So it's just it's amazing to play against them. Um, you know, and those gifts he threw me. I'm just very thankful for those.
1: <laughs> did he I'm curious? Did he at any hey. point, did at any point, did he approach you after any of these games? Did you approach him after any of these games? Was there any interaction between the two of you? Nah,
3: nah. See, the first the first time we played, the first time we played, I was trying to go see them, but they had concussed me. So I couldn't come back on the field. I was like, dang. And then the second game, I couldn't find them. I was doing an uh, interview with ESPN, and then after I
1: looked around, everybody was gone already. So
3: I was like, dang but
1: it is what it is it is what it is Kirby Joseph is joining us I spoke to your teammate James Houston last week and man dude it's incredible right what he did when he got his opportunity I asked him though what it's like to play for Dan Campbell and he said man I have never met a motivator like him before I want to ask you what is it about Campbell that makes dudes go so hard and I mean not just for themselves not just for the guys next to them but for the coach specifically because I think that's pretty rare
3: To be honest, I don't know. When he says something, I be buying into. I ain't gonna do be like, yeah. Like when he when he come in high time halftime and he be, yeah, 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 turning us up. I'm like, yeah, coach. <laughs> i been like, yeah, yeah. He's like he just makes me want to uh, run through a wall. Like to be honest, I feel like he's such a player's coach that it is like, like I I know he feels like how we feel. I know he he's been through the same things we've been through. So I feel like you know we share that same love, that same passion for the game. So it's like. Cause whatever you wear, I'm with. I ain't even a lot to you. <laughs> whatever you wear, I'm
1: with. And that's the mark of a great coach right there. Kirby Joseph is joining us right now. So, dude, shoot me straight. Like, you were a first-team All-Big Ten player at Illinois. When you were selected by the Lions, like, what did you think? Based on their history, did you have any idea that it could be this amazing this quickly? What did you think when you heard your name called? Oh, when I
3: heard my name called... Um, it was kind of a special night for me, not only because I got drafted that night, but the number 97, you know, I just felt like it was something from, from God, like um, being up there with my um, my family and stuff, being selected for the 97th pick, um, I felt like my boy Bobby was watching over me and, you know, he looked out for me with that one right there. So I, I always knew um, this journey was going to be great, you know, because of the selection and everything. I just... I just got to keep trusting in God's plan. Um Bobby Roundtree was my old teammate at Illinois, number 97.
1: Kirby, for those who do not know that story, can you share that really quickly? Why does that number represent so much to you?
3: Um, so yeah, so my boy Bobby, um, he was like the the life of the team, man. Uh when I first got there, when I first got there, all I could do, all I all I could do was be amazed at him. You feel me? Like he was such a great teammate, such a great person and stuff like that um you know an incident happened which caused him to be um the incident uh, happened which caused him to be uh paralyzed and um he was just he wasn't even he wasn't devastated from it you feel me he was still positive he was still that that same guy in the locker room outside the locker room um and he just kept showing his love um out to the community you feel me he started uh, uh he started a foundation set like seven strong You feel me? Uh, Even with kids and stuff and just doing things for the community. And, you know, that just motivated me to keep going. But um, he lost his life. Um, And um, I'm just so forever grateful for the times we shared and the memories we shared.
1: You know, I know how hard that is. I so appreciate you sharing your thoughts. And I think it was important to share your thoughts. I mean, that's real strength and inspiration and power. We're joined by Kirby Joseph. So, Kirby, what do you do? This weekend. I mean, you, you love the game. Obviously, you'd rather be playing in the game. Do you turn fan this weekend or are you somebody who's like, if you're not playing, that's not my deal. I'm gonna find other things to do on wildcard weekend.
3: Um, to be honest, right now I'm just I'm vibing. I'm vibing. <laughs> I'm I'm just soaking it up. I'm I'm vibing. I ain't hanging out, I ain't doing, I'm just just vibing right now (laughs) that's all i can do just soaking it all in and just just vibing
1: dude that's such a great way to put that i would imagine after a rookie season like the one you just had 17 games and then all of a sudden now it's over i'd be vibing too i'd just be vibing and soaking it all in how long before you kind of move back to the grind and start doing what you do how long do you allow yourself just to vibe
3: uh not too long because you know the grind never really stopped so i might not be doing like crazy things like footwork drills or like uh bench presses and stuff like that i might just do more of, like recovery work at first probably like going into this week um just because i'm relaxing i can relax in a good way you know do stuff that's still good for my body so i can come back better and stronger than ever
1: it could be really quickly i love that like the vibing never stops i mean is that part of the lifestyle? Is there always, like, a part of a vibe going on? Are you, like, always, like, 5% vibe, 10% vibe? I mean, is that kind of the key to, like, life? You got to vibe a little bit always? You always
3: got to vibe, though. <laughs> you always got to vibe. Me? I don't care what I'm at, I'm always vibe. You see me? Like, I'm just, I'm just that's, that's just me. You feel me? Like, no matter what I'm at, I'm just vibe. Because...
1: That's what I do. Dude, I I do feel you, and I'll tell you how I can explain that I do because I know I can't do that. I know you can, dude, because you're a cool cat. You can vibe all the time and be you. Like, I want to be <laughs> you, and I want to vibe all the time, but if I can vibe even one day a week for about an hour, I know I'm winning. Anyway, dude, much respect. Like I said... I can't stop talking about you guys, even though you guys are not in the playoffs. And you were one of the guys that I wanted to talk to, and you lived up to all the hype. Kirby, I appreciate you very much. Great to have you on the show, and I appreciate you sharing that vibe with all of us and my audience.
3: No problem, man. Uh, I just want to say uh, thank you for having me on here. Um, It was an amazing season with my team and my coaches and my teammates. Um, I just want to say uh, God bless you all. Good night! night.